I like cute clothes. I like having stylish outfits and I hate shopping. Armoire makes getting dressed easier. Armoire is a clothing rental membership option. And Janet and I recently have both tried it out. And you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, and then you get presented a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house for you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute, put together outfits without investing a ton of money. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash envoys. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E, dot style slash envoys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. This is On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink, mom of four boys. And I'm Janet Allison, teacher of many more. Thanks for joining us as we share real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men. Before we introduce today's guest, I wanted to share with you a valuable resource that my co-host Jennifer L.W. Fink has created for you. I get the Building Boys Bulletin in my inbox every Monday morning, and I'm always amazed at the resources she has pulled together. She scans all of the media so you don't have to, and she pulls it all together into a concise bulletin that is filled with information, resources, and links. You can get this in your inbox too for a really, really low price. All you have to do is go to buildingboys.net and you'll see the red subscribe button. Just opt in there and be ready to be amazed on Monday morning when you get the Building Boys Bulletin in your inbox. And now, on boys. Success, resilience, motivation, confidence. These words, these ideals can make us feel trapped as parents. Of course, they are the ideal, but how in the world do we get our three-year-old to be resilient? And how in the world do we get our 14-year-old to be motivated? And meanwhile, we feel like we're massively failing as parents and failing our kids too, if we can't get them there. But there's hope. Our guest today is a learning and behavior specialist who specializes in a whole child approach, which Jen and I love. When you can really unpack what is going on for your child, it might be learning, it might be mood, then you have more tools and proven strategies to help your child move into more resilience, more motivation, more confidence. Sandy Gluckman is our guest today. Welcome, Sandy. Thank you so much. 
So Janet and Jen, I'm so excited to be here. Great to have you here. You know, every parent wants their child to be resilient. They want them to be a resilient adult. But what are we really talking about when we talk about resilience? I am so happy for that question (laughs) because I think there is a lot of misinformation and misunderstanding out there of what this word, this term resilience actually means. You know, we know what it looks like in a child, I guess. You know, it looks like a child who is confident and robust and takes risks and gets out there and tries new things and seems to be comfortable in their own skin. You know, that kind of thing we understand is resilience. But I don't think that parents and teachers are really educated enough into understanding, well, where does that external behavior come from? And what is it actually? And within my approach, uh, I treat resilience or lack of resilience. For me, resilience is a brain chemistry. Hmm. So when the neurochemicals that produce resilience, that kind of behavior we just talked about, you talked about motivation, success, um, confidence, when the neurochemicals that produce that are at a healthy level, then that's what we're going to see. So in other words, I'm debunking the myth or misinformation that you can teach your child to be resilient. I think that's absolute nonsense. And it sometimes can be very unproductive, actually Mm -hmm. causing the very opposite of what you're trying to achieve. I have to say, as somebody who has a family history of depression, who has a documented personal history of clinical depression, and brain chemistry is an issue for me, that makes me feel relieved because on top of the depression and all of that, there is this feeling of failure that if only I was doing something correctly, I wouldn't be this way. And I know we parents feel that way with our children so often as well, right? If we did this all right, our kids would be right. They would be motivated, resilient, comfortable in their own skin. Exactly, exactly. And you know what, Jen, Um, you've said something that triggers a very big part of my work for me, and that is that children who do not believe that they are good enough, or if we put it the other way around, children who believe I'm not enough, mm-hmm. their neurochemistry is already out of balance because it's incredibly stressful to be walking around with a belief in a neural pathway which says I'm not enough, I'm not enough, I'm not going to be able to meet the expectations, I'm scared of failure, Um, I'm getting the messages from mom and dad, although with the best intentions, and from the teachers that are just not meeting those, those expectations. And so feeling like you're not enough is one of the causes that throws the neurochemistry out of balance and then means that we don't have a resilient child. That happens so often with so many of our boys. Janet, you and I see this all the time. You know, when you have a little boy who goes to preschool, who goes to kindergarten, and he struggles to sit still, and he struggles to write his name, and these are now the expectations, even though it's really not developmentally appropriate for a four or five-year-old boy, 
he starts to feel like there is something wrong with him. Right. And it happens to our older boys and it becomes, it becomes magnified over the years and it's very harmful to their, their self-concept. I didn't realize the, the neurochemical part of it, Sandy. Yes. And that's the part that, that is so utterly important because when we understand it, I, I think Janet spoke about, if you can unpack what's going on with your child, you can deal with it. Well, when we understand the neurochemical piece, my work is completely based on neuroscience so, but, and I, I think parents today really need to understand how their children's brains are working. So when you understand where it's gone wrong, you can actually use some tools that I teach to bring, to rewire the brain and bring it back into balance. I have to just pause here because I'm kind of laughing because Jen and I, so we, we record, our listeners know that we record on Zoom so we can see each other and it makes for a lovely conversation. But Jen and I, our heads are going up and down, up and down, up and down in kind of in synchronization here because we are completely agreeing with, with what you're saying, Sandy. It is, and it's profound and it's not talked about an awful lot no. out there. No. We're, we're so busy uh, working to manage our kids from the outside. Ex and oh, if we can just, you know, do X, Y, and Z, they will just do A, B, and C, and then things will be fine. And yet you're talking about, wait a minute, this is the, absolute foundation of your child this is the chemistry of your child and you know I think that then throw in a pandemic throw in remote learning and we're back to that place that Jen was talking about of I'm not good enough I can't do this I don't want to get out of bed today I'm just gonna play video games because this sucks and I'm not I I can't I can't be successful. Janet, minus the video games, everything you said is exactly where I have been for the last week, almost right. two weeks. I am struggling and struggling hard right now. Aww. And, you know, oh, she's hugging me virtually, you guys. And I'm, I'm probably going to tear up. But this is, you know, this is me as a 48-year-old adult female who has had life to learn some coping skills and some strategies. Now imagine that you are a 12-year-old boy. Right. Or a five-year-old boy. I have clients who have their five-year-olds. The expectation is that they're going to sit on a Zoom call. It's and then crazy. They're it's bad. Crazy. They're wrong. They know it. And I always go back to this mom who told me about her son. This has been a few years ago, but she said her first grader, her seven-year-old came home one day from school and said, mom, all the girls are perfect and I'm the bad one. Hmm. And yeah. so I want, I, I really want to make sure we include in our conversation today, this difference between boys and girls and the expectations. And Jen alluded to that also. So <clears throat> And when it comes to being robust and resilient, it's almost as though we want more of that from boys. Yes. It's kind of okay. It's okay for a girl to be more sensitive and a little more vulnerable, but not a boy. A boy's really got to be resilient and robust. But I, I want to jump back on what you said, Jen, and that is that when a mom or a dad is feeling I'm not enough, and what happens is 
there is a, uh, I mean, we are energetic beings. We are vibrating energetically all the time. And so when a mom is feeling not enough, that kind of energetic vibration reaches the child mm -hmm. and the child's picking up on that mother's sense of not enoughness as well. So what we're dealing with here is the science that was discovered by Dr. Daniel Siegel, wonderful, wonderful man, mm -hmm. of interpersonal neurobiology. So essentially, bottom line, what is interpersonal neurobiology telling us is that what's going on inside of the mother or father um, will be going on inside of the child, neurochemically speaking. So they are mirroring our chemistry. So it really becomes so important for us to understand that what's going on in me is changing my child's brain. How in the hell do I break this link? Like what you said makes perfect sense. I can see how that explains a lot of me. Of course, like so many parents, I'm like, I want to do better. I want to feel better for myself. Yes. And I want to avoid, you know, passing it on to the next generation. So if you are the parent, and there's so many parents struggling, particularly during the pandemic with that not feeling good enough feeling. How do we deal with that productively and avoid sharing that negativity and harm with our children? I'm going to come, if you would allow me, I'm going to come to that question in a moment. I want to do a little bit more unpacking Okay, great. before I give you the how. <laughs> So what happens is for all of us as adults or children, but of course it's so much more difficult for a child to make any sense of this, is that if we're feeling and believing that we're not enough, not good enough, it sets up um, a stress syndrome. What happens inside of us is that we begin to secrete very high levels of stress hormones, particularly cortisol, of course, and adrenaline, and the, um, and the more we feel not good enough, the more uncomfortable we're feeling and the more worried we are, the more um, we're, we are secreting cortisol. And what happens then is that cortisol interferes with the body's ability and the brain's ability to uh, control inflammation. And so the brain becomes inflamed. And now what happens is inflamed brains can't focus and pay attention. Inflamed brains don't seem to hear when mommy or daddy says something. Um, inflamed brains, in fact, are not able to use this beautiful prefrontal cortex to make good choices and good decisions, particularly for teenagers. And, um, and the inflamed brain throws the neurochemistry off balance. So notice how this all begins. It begins with a sense of not enoughness. The not enoughness creates uh, a co co um, stress hormones. The stress hormones inflames the brain. An inflamed brain then will display only one of three kinds of behaviors or all three of these kinds, and that is fight, flight, or freeze. So mm -hmm. that kid, who, Jen, who you described, who says, I I'm not getting out of bed today. I don't like this. Um, I'm just staying here. Or, you know, <laughs> I had a, a mom sent me a picture of her child yesterday and he's about seven and he's stretched out on across three chairs in front of a desk oh. and he's kicking and screaming and going I don't want to do this I don't want to do this that's a stress-related response yes um, or the child who's staying in bed is in flat 
Right. The other one is in fight. He's kicking, screaming, shouting, yelling. Mm-hmm. So these kids are in fight, flight, freeze. But then so are we when we are stressed. So we sometimes yell at them or we, we push them in, in, in an incorrect way. Or we get all quiet and withdrawn and then they don't know how to deal with us. Mm-hmm. So it becomes really important for us to understand what is going on before we can answer your question, Jen, of how do I change this? I just want to add in listeners, you guys know that I am a a nurse before I was a writer and a podcaster. You know, I do a lot about health. Everything she's telling you about the neurochemicals, about cortisol, about stress. Yes, yes. There is a lot of science supporting this. This isn't, there's so many things you can run across on the internet if you look, but there's science here. And I also want to draw the link between when you talk about inflammation brain inflammation there's also the gut connection of our inflamed guts and we're not getting enough of the right kind of food and the probiotics so that that chemistry is also off causing stress hormones absolutely very much so so now Mm -hmm. we want this child to be resilient well sorry it's chemically impossible for a stress um, for a, a child in high level of stress, uh, believing that they're not okay to be resilient. It, it is just not possible. And it kind of makes me worried and concerned when I hear perhaps some others uh, saying, you can teach your child to be resilient. Well, you really, you can't. It's like uh, putting a child on a bicycle who's got a broken foot and teaching him to, to, to ride the bike. You can't do that. He will ride the bike beautifully when his foot is healed. But it's the same thing here. You can't teach your child to be robust or resilient. So the healing has to take place or the teaching to take place from the inside out, not from the outside in. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to talk about how we do that in a moment. But I just do want to say to the wonderful parents who are listening that um, parents always ask me, should I just push my child? to do what they don't want to do. And then, you know, if I push him and encourage him and he gets on the field and he finds out it's not so bad, he can actually do it, wouldn't that be good? And I'm going like, no, 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 do not push the child because guess what you're doing? You're increasing the stress Mm -hmm. and and the worry about not being good enough. And when they stress, they won't be good at whatever you're pushing them to do. So please, parents, don't push your children from the outside in. And the other last thing I want to say before I give the house is that too much lecturing, too much talking is also very stressful. Doesn't It goes in one ear and out the other because the brain's inflamed. And you may be giving them the most profound advice. They can't hold on to it with an inflamed brain and they can't use it. So it comes in, it it sounds a lot like wow, 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 wow. And then yeah. it goes away. <laughs> and so. we talk about this a lot for boys, especially with moms who process everything out loud that we continually overwhelm our boys. And now we know that we're actually causing more stress hormones to be produced when we're overwhelming them verbally. And School is so much talking. And now that we're remote, it is all talking heads and adding on to the stress level, to the hormone secretions. It's a, it's a recipe for disaster. It is. 
And yeah. so I talk about inflammatory parenting and non-inflammatory parenting. Huh. So inflammatory parenting is all that talking and the lecturing and the examples and maybe some yelling and who knows, you know, how we react because we as parents are in fight or flight. We're in stress mode. And that just becomes inflammatory. So all we're doing is inflaming the child even more. So what does non-inflammatory parenting look like? And uh, obviously uh, that also means that we will hopefully put the brain back, the brain neurochemicals back into balance um, so that the child can become resilient. The overall goal, because my work is about the underlying root cause. I don't ever treat symptoms. I look for what is the source of the problem. And the source of the lack of resilience for me are those two things. That is the I'm not enough belief, living in a neural pathway, and the, um, the stress that comes out as a result of that horrible belief sitting inside of me, the bad feeling of lack of self-worth. So we obviously want to reduce the stress, number one. And then number two goal is to begin to create a new neural pathway. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about By Heart baby formula. By Heart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk. And Byheart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on Byheart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. Byheart is also the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider Byheart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code onboys at byheart.com. That's B-Y-H-E-A-R-T dot com slash podcast. And it is 10% off your first order. Byheart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer and additional terms and conditions may apply. One of the most challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing how little people understand about perimenopause and menopause, Janet. I just had a conversation with my sister about that this weekend. She is 10 years younger than me, so I'm 51, she's 41, and she went to ask her healthcare provider, hey, can you provide me some information? And she got information, but she was frustrated by how incomplete it seems, how little we know, and how for way too many people, the answer seems to be, yep, that's the way it is. Deal with it. Mm-hmm. Deal with it. And not only are our mamas out there having to deal with perimenopause, likely at this age, but many of our moms are dealing with their sons entering or in puberty, which is kind of nature's irony, which is, oof. Cruel joke, Janet. Cruel joke. Cruel joke. Thankfully, thankfully, Increasingly, there are those who are recognizing that women need and deserve competent care and treatment for perimenopause and menopausal symptoms. 
And we know that can still be harder to access than it should be, which is why we have partnered with Winona. Winona helps women who are dealing with menopause or perimenopause. Winona is a collection of OBGYN health professionals who believe that your symptoms are important, real, and deserve to be taken seriously. Telehealth, you can access care from your home when it is convenient for you. Visit buywinona.com today to start your free visit with free U.S. shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time. Your path to wellness has zero obligations. Use the code ONBOYS at buywinona.com for 25% off your first order. That's B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A dot com slash on boys. Winona, menopause care made easy. So, but we can't do the new neural pathway if we're still stressed. So de-stressing and deflaming the brain is a very important first step. Now, based on the fact that what's going on inside of mommy is going on inside of the kid, we have to start with ourselves first. We can never, ever pretend to be all calm and serene and it's, it's wonderful, I'm feeling fine, but inside we're boiling. You never pretend. The children have got a, a, a BS detector. <laughs> Definitely. It's actually known as the vagal nerve. Mm-hmm. And it tells them that <laughs> she's saying this, but, oh, this is not real. And they pick up the incongruence and then it makes them feel unsafe. So it's left for us to become really, really calm, (laughs) real serenity, real joy, appreciation, um, all the good feelings that we can muster up inside of ourselves in a truly authentic way. Those feelings live inside of us, so we need to find them. They're at the center of our being. And um, so we need to make some changes in ourselves first. We can't fix our children. I'm kind of famous for saying we cannot give our children that which we do not ourselves have. Mm-hmm. And we have mentioned that basic concept many times on this show before, um, because one thing that you definitely learn as a parent, if you are paying attention, is that there is no personal improvement program like parenting. <laughs> It forces you to look at all of your stuff because you can't, you can't fix somebody else when you're a mess over here. It's not, it's not effective and kids might not be able to verbalize it, but as you said, they are dead on accurate, scary accurate at picking up what is really going on with us. That's so true. That is so true. So Step number one is for us to have the courage to look in the mirror and say, what I need to do to de-stress. So there are lots of things that a parent can do. My, I have my favorites. I think breathing, really good breathing, not, you know, I'm not talking about breathing in and breathing out, but, you know, the, the proper breathing for uh, relieving, relaxing the vagal nerve. Um, that's fantastic. What are we looking at? We're looking at three minutes, several times a day. Mm-hmm. And we're calming our neurochemicals and our, our, our biochemistry and our, as, as Janet said, our gut as well. 
Um, so breathing is a fabulous, very simple. I think it's underestimated as to how powerful the correct kind of breathing is. And then, of course, um, there is nothing more healing, nothing more potent and powerful than meditation. That's good for us. It's good for the kids. I always mm -hmm. say to the parents, teach yourself the breathing and then teach the kids. Learn how to meditate and then bring them on board. And I'll tell you that the parents tell me that the kids love the meditation. They seem to resonate with it so much more easily. So that's just two. I mean, there's so many things. We, could, we can walk. We can write. We can journal. We, what, whatever it appeals to you that is, mm -hmm. you're not currently using in your life to de-stress, I beg you find time for it and these things don't take forever we're yeah. looking at uh, a few minutes for breathing we're looking at if you're a beginner we can start with five minutes meditation move to 10 minutes go to 20 minutes but find a time in the day where you can do that the best time obviously is in the morning because neuroscience has taught us that what we do in the first 30 minutes after we have woken up will set the trajectory for the rest of our day neurochemically speaking. Mm. So if you can wake up, go and meditate and journal after the meditation, and if that takes you 20 minutes or so, your, the rest of your day will be very, very different. You will not become reactive and fall into fight flight. That is a takeaway for me that I need to re-bump my journaling time earlier in the morning. It used to be I would wake up and as the kids were getting ready, I would journal. Um, and then it got to where I'm lazy and I don't really have to. And so I'll just flip through my phone while the kids are ready, getting ready for school. And then I, I do journal afterwards, but I think everybody listening can see that it's probably healthier for me to go straight to the journal than to my phone because there's so much there to stress me out and get my brain going. All of this too is time in nature and we just can't underestimate what it is just even sitting at my desk, staring out the window for 20 seconds even of mm -hmm. taking that pause, just noticing the sky, noticing the wind and the trees and that that is also very calming as yeah. well. I'm glad you mentioned that. There's some amazing new research that's coming out about nature and how it um, changes our neurochemistry. Just looking at something that puts you in awe mm -hmm. and feeling it, you know. Yeah. So that's the one thing. And then the other, as we said, the other goal to create resilient boys is um, to learn how to rewire your child's I'm not good enough belief. It sounds like a very difficult thing to do. I'm rewiring my child's yeah. brain. No, no, no. It's actually pretty easy to do. Um, it's based on the fact that, again, Dr. Siegel has discovered neuroplasticity. So we know we can wire, rewire, unwire the brain. We used to think that it was hardwired. Not mm -hmm. true. It mm -hmm. is plastic. It is malleable. The truth of the matter is we have wired that child's brain in the first place. By the things that we said, the things we did, the look on our face, the tone of our voice, the language you chose, um, the kind of discipline we use. And I want to comment that other things have also contributed to that. Certainly, we are not the only uh, factor in our child's life. There's what other teachers have said. There's been experiences with playmates. There, you know, there have 
a lot of children deal with all kinds of very, very difficult situations. And some of these are absolutely and totally beyond our control. That's so true. But it doesn't mean that we can't help support our child's healing. Yes. And, and you know, we do, uh, although all those things play a really important role, the role of mom and dad is just so primary. So how do we rewire a child who has a belief wired in the brain of I, I'm not enough. I, I just don't feel enough. I, in the lack of sense, self-worth, etc., is that we um, begin to, first of all, understand that we're, we can do this and no parents really think about that. And then once that you get that, a lot of my clients will get so excited and so relieved and so hopeful knowing that the child's not stuck with a lack of self-worth forevermore. Um, and we can change that script. So what we do is we really need to sit down, put a photograph of the child in the middle of a big piece of paper. And then around that photograph, we're just doing this for ourselves. Um, around the photograph, uh, put it in big letters and do it very creatively, have fun doing that. Just write out the uh, positive characteristics that are typical of your child. Now, this is not the kind of things you're hoping or dreaming the child would be, but things you see the child being. The problem is we are too much focused on the child's doing. Yes. And we don't support the child's being anywhere near in equal time and attention. Mm -hmm. So now we want to go inside and fix the child's being from the inside. So we start with this, this paper and now we've, cre we've looked for all the positives that we truly have seen in the child, not wishing for. And then what we do is every single time we see that child display one of those characteristics. Let's just take a simple one. Let's say, for example, the child is very helpful. Mm-hmm or funny or whatever it may be. Every time you see that happening, you are going to have a 20, at least 20 seconds, if you could make it 30 seconds, it's better, a 20 second conversation with them. That goes something like this. Honey, you are so funny. You really make me laugh. I love it when you make me laugh. I feel so good. And you know what? Being funny and having a good sense of humor is an amazing characteristic to have. You know why? Because people will always come to you. They will always want to be in your space. They will always come around you. They will love being around you. So it's just a beautiful thing that you've got. What we really are doing is we're getting the child to begin to take ownership of their okayness, little bit by little bit. But it has to be authentic. You have to use the things that you're seeing them doing, which you normally take for granted and don't talk about. And the next rule is that we need to give them five positive conversations to one negative. You know what I really love about this is that I see it as um, a dual healing going on. Because so often when it's gotten to this point with our children, we are so angry, upset, maybe feeling like failures ourselves, that we ourselves may struggle to sit down with that piece of paper and write positive characteristics. 
Mm -hmm. You know, parents can get in this mindset where they see their sons very negatively because that's what they have been focused on. So if you sit down deliberately, okay, and really think through it, and even if it's hard, you push through and you come up with say three things, only three things the first Mm -hmm. time, but now you pay attention. You're looking for those things. So you are not only drawing your son's attention to these things so he can step into ownership and okayness with those things. You are reminding yourself of the inherent goodness of your child. Yeah, I love that, Jen. Thanks for saying that. I always speak about that when I get a chance because really what you're doing is you're going to feel pride. Yeah. You're going to look at this child and you're going to think, this is my wondrous little boy. And that sense of pride and love that doing this brings to you is changing your chemistry. It is reducing the cortisol and it's increasing the oxytocin and the serotonin and the endorphins, which is what we need. Yeah. So there is, a, I, I talk about on my website, I talk about my practice being where um, parents and children grow together. I really. love what you're saying too, because what I'm hearing from parents so much right now is that their interactions with their kiddos are very transactional yeah. right now, have yeah. become so much about have you completed that homework assignment? Are you logged on for school? There is so much attention focused on that right now that we have forgotten to take that pause to connect on this level that you're talking about, really seeing your child. And I mean, I'm just getting t- chills and tears as Me I do about this deeper connection that I think in our very stressed lives right now, when when we are worried about their academic competence and are they on, you know, are they off video games long enough to do school and keeping them off whatever afterwards, that it it is, cal- I mean, it's just calming to think about, oh, I'm just going to focus on my sweet little boy or my sweet 14-year-old because There is sweetness in that 14-year-old, even if you're not feeling it right now. And so to really focus on that is just such a lovely, lovely thought. And it is really sad, Janet, to think that we, I don't know over the years how it all happened, but we began to put the external parts of their lives in front and we forgot to connect with their being. Yeah. So it is all about the homework and the have you and have you and have you that transactional stuff that you speak about. As I said, my work is based on neuroscience and the neuroscientific principle is where you place your attention is where you place your energy mm-hmm. is what you get more of. Yes. So when you tell the child that you love how helpful he is, and you explain to him the benefit of having that characteristic and how it will take him forward into life, you're going to get more of that. It's really, really worth doing. You know, I talk about the fact that our children come to teach us. There is no, con- no coincidence for any one of us uh, and the children that we have mm-hmm. in terms of them arriving mm-hmm. in our world. They have come to teach us. They've come to teach us to see the world differently. They've come to teach us to see ourselves and our own unfinished developmental traumas. 
Mm-hmm. They've come to teach us to look through their eyes. There's no coincidence that we're getting a huge epidemic numbers of children who have got learning behavior and mood challenges. They're arriving with their brains wired differently and they're arriving in the large numbers that they are because they're coming here to teach us to be different, to get rid of some of these values that Mm. we are being driven by, the Mm. material values, the the learning values, nothing wrong with those, but let's get them into balance. Yeah. So I see these incredible kiddos as whether they are four or 14 or 24 as the um, canary in the coal mine because mm-hmm. they, they're coming to tell us things, yeah. very important things, and they come with very unusual in, in, uh, talents and abilities. But what we do is we try to fix them. Exactly. Then, we, yeah. we think they are the problem. Right. And yeah. so we try to fix them to fit into a broken model that's not serving people well to start we break them so they can fit into brokenness that makes oh, no sense my gosh i love the way you put that exactly it makes no sense we break them we teach them they're not good enough um and then they start the whole thing of getting all kinds of um, learning behavior mood problems and resilience is very far away and not available to them Parents, I hope that you have found this as profound and helpful as I know both Janet and I have. I will be definitely thinking about this the rest of today through the weekend into next week. This is, it's so powerful because it's also simple. There's no special uh, skills, training, technique that you need to be able to work to heal yourself and your son. It's really pretty simple, but it's stripping away all of that other stuff. And uh, Sandy, you are telling us we can do that. And here's how to do that. How do people find you and more about your work? So um, my website is dr. Dr. Sandy with a Y, Gluckman, G-L-U-C-K-M-A-N. Um, dot com. I have an enormous amount of free resources on there where I do free coaching videos, I do podcasts, I do um, um, articles, huge amount because I, I, I'm just feeling that parents need to relearn the, the term parenting. It's different mm-hmm. today. We can't parent in the way we used to. And so I'm just wanting parents to learn as much as possible so there are wonderful resources on there lots and lots of videos of course my youtube is also dr sandy glackman my facebook i don't really tell people what coffee i'm drinking in the morning i'm more about giving them some real solid tips and tools and information nice so i need to go to my writer friend who does post about her coffee in the morning and we all enjoy it because she's a coffee fanatic so Okay. Go to her for that. Go to you for the parenting. Got yeah. it. And then there is my book, uh, which is uh, really has to be the, at the bedside because it's got all the tools that you need in there. Um, it's called Parents Take Charge. And it's about healing, learning behavior and mood challenges without medication. I will be putting all of these links in our show notes. So if you can't remember all of this, just go to On Boys Podcast later and you'll be able to click over to um, Sandy's website and access all of her resources. 
Well, Sandy, thank you so much. This has, as Jen said, wow, this has been really deeply profound. And I'm excited to hear what our listeners mm -hmm. take away from this too. And, and the shift as they apply just these simple, simple insights that you've given us today. And I hope they'll, they'll go more deeply into your work. It is valuable. It is life-changing. Thank you so, so much. And thank you ladies for the wonderful work you do. Wow. Listeners, that was such a profound episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as Jen and I did. And I wanted to just chime in here at the end of this podcast to remind you about the Building Boys Bulletin and how you can have access to this weekly resource, this compendium of links and tips and articles that Jen puts together. It is amazing and it will save you so much time. So go to buildingboys.net and you'll see right there on the home screen a big red subscribe button and uh, just put your email address in there and there is a small fee, but it is totally worth every penny. Hope you enjoy that Building Boys Bulletin. Thanks for joining On Boys, real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.